Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. For your generosity, and we thank you for being here tonight. Who's excited about what God is doing in their life tonight? Amen. I'm excited to see what God is doing. Uh, This is uh, the best attended Sunday that we've had uh, all year, so I want to thank you for that. Uh, We want to thank you for being here. Yes, give God praise tonight. Hallelujah. It's our highest attendance both in uh, in Sunday morning and in the Sunday night, and so we do appreciate you uh, doing what you do, not only to get here but to bring people. So we appreciate that very, very much tonight. And we pray that it's a continuing trend. Can you say amen? Uh, tonight, let's open up our Bibles. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. We want to uh, take a look at a scripture tonight that I want to encourage you. And uh, I, want to, I want to encourage every person here tonight. So this is a message that's not just for the people who have been saved for 87 years. This is not just for the people uh, who've been to a thousand church services. Even if tonight this is your first time in the house of God, I believe this message is going to help you. This is going to be an encouragement to you. Because what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at the nature of how God created you. Of how God made you and what that should mean for your daily living. Tonight, when we look into the Bible, we find incredible understanding for who we are and what God has made us to be. And I want to read together with you in Genesis chapter 1. I want to ask you tonight, is it any wonder that some of the most amazing creations in this world were put together by people who had a Christian worldview and a healthy respect for the things of God. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. It was Martin Luther King, Jr., who said this. He said, hey, I I need that back row to be uh, uh, quiet, please. Thank you. I'll bring him up here. I'll help him out. It was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets the same way that Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, Here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. That is a fantastic quote. 
When we look at people like uh, the ones that Martin Luther King Jr. mentioned there, people like Michelangelo, people like Beethoven, like Shakespeare, incredible composers like Bach, incredible people like Mozart, incredible sculptors like Michelangelo, Donatello, and other Ninja Turtles, can, can, can we be reminded tonight one thing that they all had in common? 95% of them were incredibly strong believers in Jesus Christ. People who had set aside their own pursuits and began to pursue the things that God had called them to. I have a, a list here I want to share with you, if I can find it quickly. Uh... Hallelujah. I got it. The great composers, some of the great composers of our time, if you have spent any time looking at or listening to some of the great uh, symphonies and orchestras in history, we have a similar uh, background. Uh, Handel. Handel, of course, was famous for the Hallelujah Chorus, right? And he was famous for writing the, the Messiah uh, play. And uh, what do we know about him? He was a Christian. Johann Sebastian Bach, Franz Joseph Hayden, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Beethoven, Mendelssohn, Liszt, Stravinsky, Brahms, Schubert, Dvorak, Wagner, Bruckner, Messi. You can go on and on. It would be harder to find the ones who didn't believe in God than to think about the ones who made impact because of their relationship with Jesus. I'm saying all that tonight to say this. I believe God created us to be creative. I believe God created you to use your God-given skills and your talents not to make a name for yourself, not to impress everybody with how awesome you are, even though you might be very awesome, but the reason that you exist on this planet, the reason that God created you was to bring him glory. And just like all of these amazing people who created amazing music, God has created us to be creators. Let's look tonight in Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 24, as we go right back to the beginning and as we learn about ourselves. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to their kind, cattle, creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to its kind, and it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, cattle, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Now verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle, or, uh, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's funny, that's, that's become controversial these days. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every 
thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields a seed. To you it shall be for food, and also to every beast of the earth, every bird of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth. Verse 31, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Everybody say, very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. And once again tonight, I'm praying for your wisdom, for your strength. I pray for the attention of your people that it would not be, Lord, on something that is outside of this room. But God, that our focus and our attention would be upon your word and your truth and your will for our lives. I've cast out all distractions in Jesus' mighty name. I pray the blood of Jesus would keep our hearts and our minds and our eyes focused tonight upon your purpose for our lives. And I thank you for the work that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. I want to preach a message that I've titled, Created to Create. Now let's begin by looking at this powerful truth tonight, that you were created in the image of God. You were created in the, I, I, I want you to say this out loud with me tonight. I was created in God's image. Now that gives you dignity, doesn't it? That gives you value and worth. That means you're not the same as a tree. It means you're not the same as a monkey. It means you're not the same as a gorilla or a baboon. Tonight, if you've only been to public school, you might disagree with what I'm saying right now. Because if the only thing you've ever been taught was that you evolved slowly and painfully from a single-celled organism and you became a, a blob of living tissue that floated up on the beach and that tissue became uh, a frog and that frog became a fish and that fish became a lizard and that lizard became a bird and that bird became a chicken and that chicken became... A mammal, and the mammal became an animal, and it became a monkey, and it became a gorilla, and it became an ape, and then it, and then you crawled out of the, the, crawled out of the dust. And if that is true about you, then we are no different than the animals in the zoo. We have the same value and the same worth, and it means we have the same culture and the same desires, and we have all that we have tonight, if that is the only worldview, if there is no God involved, then who cares if you kill people? Who cares if you rape and pillage like pirates? Who cares? Where do values come from if all we are is grown-up apes? Tonight, what the Bible declares emphatically is that we did not evolve slowly over time, that God took the dust and formed it into a man. And a woe, man. And he brought them together for his glory, and they were different than everything else. It said that on the fifth day that God created all the animals, and God said, that is good. And today, if you look at the animal kingdom, we can still say, wow, there's some amazing stuff out there. Have you ever looked at all the stuff out there? I mean, from blue whales to insects to mosquitoes. God, why did you have to do mosquitoes, you know? 
But from octopus to fungus to the sloth to the woolly mammoth, there's some amazing stuff out there, isn't there? God is so creative. He said, oh, you think that was good? Watch this, duckbill platypus. Say, God, that's like four animals in one. That's awesome. But God said, you think all of that's good? Wait until the sixth day. On the sixth day, that God began to speak to himself in the counsel of his own divine trinity, and he said, let us make man in our image. Now, this is not a boast. This is not a point of pride. What this is tonight is recognizing reality that you are not an animal. Say it tonight. I am not an animal. (laughs) I know your two-year-old kind of acts like an animal. But you are not an animal tonight. You are created in God's image. And that means you're different than the rest. That means you are not supposed to act like an animal. You're not supposed to sleep with everything that moves like a barnyard animal. Hello. You are not supposed to just live like an animal lives by instinct alone. God created us in his image. In his image. And that means tonight so many things. Now, we know tonight that we are not like God in many ways. We know that God has some attributes and some characteristics that he alone has. For example, God is eternal. You are not. You had a beginning and you have an expiration date. God does not have that. He is eternal. He always has been and he always will be. Tonight, God is eternal. We also believe that God is infinite. His power, His glory is beyond what we could ever imagine. You tonight are finite. It means you're limited. You cannot be everywhere at the same time. You can only be in one place at one time. That's right. But God, He can be everywhere and every place and every time at the same moment. We know that God is all-powerful. He is in control. He's sovereign. You are so very fragile tonight. Life, the Bible says, is like a vapor. A vapor. I've seen uh, the, the, all of a sudden it's so cool now to have one of those little vaping devices. I've seen people driving down the road with the window cracked just like that much. And it, the whole thing is filled with all the vape inside. I'm like, what are they doing? They can't even see. And it's pouring out the window. But you know about the vaping? It's there one moment. And it's gone the next. Next time you see somebody vaping, you can tell them, you know your life is like that? It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your time? God is eternal. He is in control. He is sovereign. But we, we are so fragile. God is immutable. You know what that means? Immutable. Right there in the middle of the word is the word mute. And that comes the same word as mutant, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, it's the second time in the same sermon I've referenced the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This might be a record, everybody. 
But the mutant turtles, why do we call them mutants? Because they have transformed, they changed. When we say that God is immutable, it means he doesn't change. He says, I am the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, God is a rock who does not change. And that is a very good piece of news for you and me. He is not angry one day and happy the next like you are. He is not uh, uh, full of gratitude one moment and then full of rage the next like you are. No, he is the same. Everything else in the universe is in a constant state of change. And so there are these places that God is unique. He is uniquely God. And if those things were not true, then he wouldn't be God. If you were sovereign, then you would be God, and he wouldn't be. But these are things that God keeps in his own possession and does not share with anyone else. However, tonight, we also must recognize from the Scripture that God created human beings with a special character with a special ontology, with a special creation and makeup that was different than the rest of creation, different from angels, different from animals, different from physical objects. God created human beings in a very special way, and the way that God describes it in his book is that we are created in his image. What does that mean tonight? When we say that we were created in God's image, what does it say about us? I want to tell you that it means mainly three things. First of all, he has created us with intellect. The Latin phrase homo sapien, it means a man of wisdom. It means we have the capacity to think and to make rational decisions. God created us with a will, with a purpose, with, a, with an idea of understanding things. We don't see this in the animal world. We see that animals, yes, they can figure things out. Some animals are very smart, but you don't see animals with an intellect. You don't see animals sitting around a table having a discussion about the finer things of life. So God created us with an intellect, with a brain, the ability to think. Secondly, God made us as volitional beings. You don't know that word? Look it up. Volitional. It means that we have a will. We can make decisions. Are you hearing me tonight? You have the ability. God gave you this ability the same way that God makes decisions about things. He said, the image of these people, my image in them will be revealed in this way. They're going to be able to make decisions about their lives. God did not make puppets on strings. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, this is my tree. You're not supposed to touch it. Don't eat the fruit. You've got all those other thousands of trees with all that infinite amount of of choices to make, but just this one tree, this is my tree. And let me tell you something. God did not put an angel by the tree with a sword to protect his tree. Do you know why? Because he wanted Adam and Eve to make a choice. I want you to choose to listen to me and to obey me. God still gives you that choice. He gives you a choice every day of your life, whether to obey him or to run from him. Isn't that incredible? God will never twist your arm. God will never force you. 
He might make your life miserable, but he will never force you into a decision. Never. I want you to hear that, parents. If you think that you can force your children into doing one thing or another, we can teach them, we can train them, we can show them the best way, but ultimately, when they grow, they're going to have to make their own decisions. You better equip them and prepare them for that day. and Not make every decision for them, because even God in heaven allows us to make our own decisions in life. The third thing that we see about the image of God, and there's many other things, but these are the main t- tonight that I, wanted, that I want you to understand. The third way that the image of God is revealed in us is that we are relational. God created us to be relational. Everybody say relational. God created us to exist within relationship with others. Now, we all want to think tonight that we would be fine all on our own. That I could uh, elect myself to king of my own island and I'd be just happy on Island Adam. I want to tell you that would be a horrible, horrible island if all there was was just me. God created you in his image, which means that he created you to thrive in relationships to be connected with him and with other people. That even God, you say, well, pastor, God was all alone in creation before he created it. Oh, no, no, no. What do we believe about our God? That he is revealed in Trinity. That one God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even before God began the creation process, he had relationship, perfect relationship within himself. That he existed for all eternity within family, committed to one another, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And what they had and what they have to this day is revealed in us. God created us to exist within relationship. That God did not create Adam alone. He did initially. Remember that? God created the man, and there he was, naming all the animals, and there was not found one suitable for him. And it's the first time we see God said, this is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. Can I tell you that's still true? It's not good. That's, be, that's, that's why one of the worst punishments you could ever suffer is solitary confinement. Psychologically torments you. Messes with your mind. And people who engage in that, many times they go insane. People who back away and withdraw into social media, online, telling yourself, oh, I've got a thousand friends on Facebook, but not one friend in real life. It's the same thing. Solitary confinement. And it will destroy you. That's why the miracle of the church, Jesus came to establish a church on the earth, a place where we can come together and have relationship, one with another, and yes, with God. He created us to be relational. Now listen, this is where it gets interesting. When God created human beings, He did not just uh, put them in the garden and say, figure it out. Did you know that? God gave them a purpose. 
God gave them a will. God gave them work to do. Everybody say work. God gave them a job. God is not a lazy God. When God created Adam and Eve in his own image, the Bible says that God is a God at work. And that means he created people that were about to go to work. He put them in the garden and didn't say, go collect a check. He did not put them in the garden and say, wait for somebody to supply for your every need. Wait for the animals to deliver your pizza to you. No, he put them in a garden. Do you know what a garden, anybody here have a garden? A garden is a whole lot of work, isn't it? I mean, we're talking about weeks and months of labor, digging, planting, trimming, harvesting, weeding, all kinds of ings. There's a lot of things to do in a garden, isn't there? And isn't it amazing that God put Adam and Eve in the middle of a garden? He said, this is your garden now. Keep it. He said, do something with it. Watch over it. Tend it. Keep it. Look at verse uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth, all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. Did you hear that? His work. His work. God was working in creation. And on the seventh day, he stepped back and he said, wow, look at all that I have made. And the seventh day, he blessed it, sanctified it, because he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. If God is a worker, then what do you think he created you to be? Exodus 20, verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And yes, we put an emphasis on that, on that day that God sanctified and blessed the Sabbath day. That's why on Sundays we believe that if you can avoid working on Sunday, you really ought to avoid it. It's a, if God took a day to rest, then maybe you ought to also. But I want to tell you this. A Sabbath day means nothing unless you spend six days at work. Did you hear that? I don't think they heard that, Andre. Let me say it one more time. A Sabbath day means nothing unless you have spent six days laboring, working, sweating, toiling, working. God is not a lazy God. And we ought not to be lazy either. God made us for work. Now I understand tonight, different people work in different ways. Some people, you know, you, you go to your job five days a week. But ultimately, what we're talking about today is that God created us to be productive. You don't have to work a job five days a week to be productive. And when we talk about product productivity, we're not talking about your score on Minecraft. We're not talking about your achievements on the latest video game. That's not productivity. That might make you feel good. That might you feel, feel like you've achieved something, but all you've done is sat there in front of a screen. 
God created us for labor. Look at the first commandment that God gave to them. Our scripture, verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created them to be stewards of this incredible world, managers, to take responsibility. Can I tell you tonight, labor and work is not part of the curse. This was before the fall, wasn't it? This was before they ate the fruit. That's not until the next chapter. Chapter 3 is when the bad stuff happens. This is chapter 1. He said, you're going to work, boy. You're going to take care of this place that I've made. Now, we know part of the curse is that there would be thorns and thistles in this life, that there would be difficulty, that, yes, the, as a result of the curse, what we understand now is that work has become even more of a difficulty, that we will experience hardship. But I want to tell you, God didn't just want us to be doing busy work. How many of you ever had busy work? If you're in the military, you know what busy work is. <laughs> we got to keep these people busy with something. If you've been in public school, you know what busy work is. we just got an hour of time here that we don't know what to do next. Give them a coloring sheet, right? Give, it, give them a video to watch. Give them, give them something to occupy their brain. That's not what God has for us. God created us to be productive. Everybody say productive. Jesus had a work ethic when he came to the world. John 9, verse 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Did you hear that? Jesus said, I got to be working. John 4, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 10, 37, if I do not do the works of my father, then do not believe in me. John 17, 4. I have glorified you on earth. This is He's praying, and he says, I have finished the work which you've given me to do. So let me ask you tonight. Are you producing something with your life, the life that God has given you, the time and the energy and the talents and the skills that God has put into you? What are you doing with them? Pastor, I'm working a job. I'm making a paycheck. Good. I'm glad. Make that paycheck. But what are you doing that's going to last in eternity? The work that I'm talking about, the productivity that God wants from us, is not just something that passes away with time. What is the work that lasts forever? What is the work that God called us to that is going to make a difference in this life And in the next life, your paycheck will help. But I wonder, what kind of work have you done that's going to last forever? What kind of work is that? It's people. It's evangelism. It's your Bible study. It's your prayer life. It's your sanctification. Did you know that? Did you know that living holy is hard work? Avoiding temptation is hard work. Oh, it's easy just to give in every time you feel a temptation. Ah, give in. Easy. 
It's hard to resist. It's hard to live by the spirit instead of by the flesh. It's work, it's labor, it's toil. And yet that's what God has called us to. Can I tell you, God has called us to be busy for his kingdom. You're not going to be busy for the kingdom of God if all you do is come to church once on Sunday and then forget about Jesus from Monday through Saturday. Wow. Jesus said that when you care for the poor, when you feed the hungry, when you give a cup of cold water in his name, that you are working for the kingdom. That you are doing something more than just for yourself and your little kingdom. God has called us to be productive. So right here. Right here, I want to challenge you. So we're living in a world today that says, what can I get out of this world? What does this world have to offer to me and my kingdom? What could I get? You know, there's, there's a website that you can go to to see all of the benefits that you qualify for from the government. I understand. We have government programs for a reason. Some people need that. But I want to tell you something tonight. God created us to be more than just a sponge that feeds off of society. God created you to be a producer. God created you to be a creator. Tonight, we, we have this idea, this dream in our head, this American dream that, oh, if I could just get a college degree, that I could come out of college and some amazing mega corporation is going to see how wonderful and how valuable I am, and they're going to give me a six-figure salary in a corner office. Yeah, right. That's not reality. I don't know what dream you had. That's not reality. You know what normally happens? $50,000 in debt working at Subway. <laughs> I got a little too personal back there. <laughs> Let me tell you something tonight. The end all goal of your life should not be what mega corporation can give me a great salary. The goal of your life should be what can I produce? For the kingdom. There are some people here, you could do so much better if you started your own business. Ooh, that's risky, Pastor. Ooh. Yeah, sure is. But you could be your own boss. And you could set your own hours so you wouldn't have to work on Saturdays or Sundays. And you could create something that has intrinsic value for this community. You can do some things that other people can't do. Create something. Create a service. Create a product. Do something that has value. God created you to be a creator. Some of the greatest artists in history, as I mentioned, the reason that they created their art was because they believe God has created them differently to be creators. Some of the greatest musicians some of the greatest composers, some of the greatest scientists that ever lived, the reason that they were doing what they were doing was for God's glory and not their own. 
Oh, but pastor, that cushy job where they pay me plus benefits. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. But I wonder what you could create. I wonder what we as the people of God could create if we would embrace this calling. God does call people to certain vocations. I'm here tonight because I believe God called me to be a preacher. I'm here to preach and to pastor this church. I believe God calls some people to be missionaries. God calls some people to be evangelists and preachers. And I pray tonight that there's somebody in here who would, who would sense that calling. But can I tell you also tonight that God calls some people to be doctors and lawyers. Ew. And God calls some people to be teachers. God, we need some Holy Ghost teachers in this wicked public school system. And God calls some people to be painters and carpet layers and electricians. There is nothing to be ashamed of to be a blue-collar worker. Some of you might know a guy named Mike Rowe. I follow some of his, uh, his, uh, his writings. and his, uh, He had a, a TV show called Dirty Jobs. If you ever want to learn something, you watch that program. He's got a, a great program where he, uh, he, he was, uh, Dave told me about this. He was, he was in the bottom of a septic tank. Y'all know what a septic tank is? <laughs> and so he's in this septic tank. He's cleaning off the walls with a sprayer. Do you know what's flying off of the walls? You don't want to know. He's spraying the bottom of a septic tank. And he, he, he's asking this guy, how did you get into cleaning septic tanks? And he says, well, I used to be a lawyer. Really? Used to be a lawyer? He says, I get paid more for cleaning the septic tanks. He said, why did you, why did you make the switch? Why, why, why did you do that? He said, I got tired of cleaning up other people's crap. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Can I tell you tonight, sometimes if you have a heart to work, you could make more than your your friends who got a four-year degree in the humanities studying gender equality. Tonight, I want to put a challenge in front, especially you young people who are making decisions for your life. You're making decisions for your future. Sometimes a four-year college degree is not the best thing. It's good for some people. You You could get more out of your life if you went to a trade school, if you learned how to drive a tractor, If you learned how to operate a crane, you know how much crane operators make? Hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. And you could get hired today. I wish I could go back in time and become a crane operator or a bulldozer driver. That's like the the dream fulfilled for every four-year-old boy. You know what I'm saying? And you can get paid 200000 a month, a year, easy. Maybe a month, I don't know, maybe you're a really good one. What I'm saying tonight is that God has called you, 
And your job is to figure out what that calling is. I have a friend named Albert Hartley. And uh, he, he's, he's, uh, he's an amazing guy. And one day he was sharing with me his testimony. His dad was a pastor and uh, a, still a pastor, a missionary who would go to various cities. He, when he was a young guy, he would follow his dad on these missionary trips. He went to places like El Salvador, Argentina, and began to help people build homes, be a blessing to people. And when he got to be about 17 years old, he started getting serious about what does God want me to do? And one day he described to me how he was in prayer and God spoke to him and said, Albert, I want you to become a lawyer. And he said, far be it from me, Lord. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Jesus had so many arguments with lawyers, but he said it was so clear that he started looking into different programs. Can I tell you today, he has a successful law business, and part of that successful law business is that he helps people of faith. He works pro bono in some cases. He works on, uh, on houses, on people. And listen, he, he says, this is my calling. I was born to do this. God created me for this. And what a wonderful thing that is. Tonight, can you with confidence say, God put me in the place where he wanted me to be? My prayer for you tonight is that you would go out from this place and say, God, what is it you want me to create for your kingdom? Some people think that being a housewife or a stay-at-home mom is something less than valuable. Oh, no, 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 no. You have the best job in the world. Raising up another generation, one snotty nose at a time. Somebody calculated the value of a stay-at-home mom with all of the laundry, the dishes, the cooking. They said if you were to hire somebody, bring someone into the home to do all that stuff, we're talking about 80000 90000 per year. <laughs> it is not an easy thing. And you, as a, as a stay-at-home mom, a single mom, I want to tell you, that's the salt of the earth right there. You ought to wear that proudly. Say, what do you do for a living? I stay at home and raise my children. Thank you very much. Don't let the world look down on you for that. Never, ever tonight curse the labor that God has called you to do. Tonight, I want to challenge you. I believe God created you for the work of creation. And I want to challenge you tonight to find what it is that God has called you to do and pursue that. Pursue that. If it, if it is to be a teacher, then teach. If it is to be a preacher, then preach. If it is to be a zookeeper, then hey, you clean up all that zoo poo-poo for the glory of God. I want to tell you tonight that you will never find joy in this life until you reach out and you begin to say, God, show me the path that you laid for me. Start a business, man. You never know what could happen. You never know that maybe, maybe 
a year from now or two years from now that that home business will take over and be more productive than your nine to five. You never know until you start creating. Let's bow our heads tonight as we bring this service to a close and as God challenges us. As God begins to speak to us and help us in this place, thank you for your attention. And for just a moment tonight, before we bring this service to a close, I want you to pay close attention for just a moment. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. You're not right with God. God did create us in his own image. And that makes us different, makes us special, makes us higher and above the rest of creation. But that's not the end of the story. If you keep reading into Genesis chapter 3, you'll find out something that you already know is true in your heart. That those people that God created in his own image with the ability to make decisions, that they made a decision that has haunted the human race ever since. And that was a decision to disobey. A decision to rebel against God and His will for their lives. And as as our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, as they turned their face on God, turned their back to Him, they released something into human nature that is still here to this day, thousands of years later, and that infects your heart tonight. When you came into this world, yes, you were made in God's image, but there was something else at work. There is a sinful nature. There's a part of you that does not want to be accountable to a holy God. There's a part of you that will shake your fist in the, hand, in the face of the God that created you and say, I don't want your influence. I don't want you to tell me what to do. There's a part of you tonight, whether you want to admit it or not, doesn't want to know God, that seeks your own kingdom first. But here's what the Bible says. That when we do what we think is right, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is destruction. And if the direction of your life doesn't change tonight, that's where you will end up, in destruction. That, unfortunately, is the automatic. It's the default setting. If things do not change, the Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, that there is no one here who can live up to the righteous standard that God has set. That His laws are too hard for us to follow. And that the only way we can enter into His presence is if we'll put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the same one who came to this earth, bled and died on the cross. The Bible says that if you will put your trust in Him, in Him alone, that there can be a miracle in your life. Old things will pass away, and everything will become new. Jesus called it being born again, a new birth, a new life in Christ. And I'm asking you tonight, have you experienced that new birth?
we thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.